Hello, I'm Ricky Koopman. And I'm Danny Reid. And this is Don't Have a Jewett, a podcast from the City of Mount Gambia Library. This podcast delves into the stories of the Mount Gambia Library, from authors to innovation, programming to local history. We invite you to join in and learn about what we do here in the library and our place within the community. Two thousand and twenty-two marks the sixty-third year of the Mount Gambier Christmas Parade, with the floats and spectators returning to Commercial Street for the first time since the pandemic began. This beloved community event attracts spectators by the thousands and celebrates not only Christmas but togetherness and community spirit. But what does it take to coordinate Mount Gambier's largest community event of the year? How do you reinvent the parade to make it COVID safe? And where did this well-loved community event all begin? Ricky, tell me about your parade experiences. Well, Danny, we're talking probably close to 35 years ago. <laughs> I think it was either in kindergarten or reception. I can't tell you what the float was, but I was dressed up as a bear. A bear, beautiful. So I remember my grandfather picking me up and sitting me on the, on the float and... <laughs> Travelling down the road and waving to every every person lining the streets and yeah. I thought it was all about me. <laughs> and then my next memory sort of switches to being an adult. Mm-hmm. As you would know, we had our own Christmas parade float. Indeed. 10, 12 years ago. Yes. Um, which again was quite, quite exciting and again I still thought it was all about me. <laughs> of course it did. Now, Ricky, I'm sure you would have had the same feeling that I did, but when we were interviewing our guests, the just the overwhelming community pride and spirit uh, at the way that this event comes together, it's volunteer-driven, it is a passion project for so many people. Did you get that same feeling? I certainly did, Danny. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to think when you watch the Christmas parade that it's just something just just happens. Mm. But things like just happen without the wonderful volunteers, the wonderful community that we have that puts it all together. It's something that's very special to a lot of people and the people that we've interviewed for this episode, um, you'll hear that just in their voice that they also have that special uh, attachment to the parade as well. In this episode, we chat to the team leader of community events for the City of Mount Gambier, Exania Ketting, the director of the Lions Club of Mount Gambier Brass Band Festival, Mr Alan Woodham, and the woman who literally wrote the book on the history of the parade, historian Lynn Lowe, as well as a handful of library staff who were kind enough to share their own personal memories. So this is season two, episode 11 of the podcast, titled Santa Claus Comes Back to Town. How exciting is it that or since 2019, finally having the Christmas parade back. How exciting is that? Mm, yes, due to COVID, we, as you were sort of um, saying there, Ricky, that we weren't able to have the parade in its traditional format since 2019 and we went up and did Santa's Boulevard. Um, the community um, is really excited to get it back and we talked to our media and comms team and there was about a 1,000 different comments, um, whether it's sharing or comments across our social media platforms and being shared. So one lady wrote, this is wonderful news, great for our community and for our kids. Seeing their little faces as they watch the parade is just beautiful. And I think that sums it up. It's just a, such a beautiful community event, whether you're on a float, 
street, whether you're watching it, whether you're going with your grandparents. Um, and we have a lot of people that sit at the same spot every year and there's so many traditions with it. So, yes, our team is very excited to bring it back. The last couple of years, there's been an alternative. I guess we've had the uh, Sanders Boulevard. Yes. So basically it was the floats were on one side and the cars drove through on the other side and the community just loved it. And in the end, it um, was so successful that we um, decided to do similar last year. Um, but because of the traffic, the traffic ended up from Blue Duck Sports Park all the way to the cemetery on Lake Terrace, wow. we chose to have a different location, which was the Blue Lake Valley Lake area, which was magnificent because it meant all the cars could line up behind the Blue Lake and then um, find their way through and down and there was no line-ups. It was easier from a traffic management point of view. And our plan was to have these pockets of delight. So as you drove through, you got to see um, little parts of lighting or a, a float lit up or music. And obviously the best part was Santa. It was at the end and the kids just loved to see Santa right near the end. And our Santa just engaged with all those children and it was beautiful. It certainly was. So again, it just sort of highlights the, well, obviously the immense challenges we had with COVID, but with those challenges sort of came opportunity I guess. Mm, an opportunity to reflect and bring something different and you know by going up into the Valley Lakes we were able to have um, over 2,500 cars come through and not have to worry about how we were going to manage all of that as much and you know so in, in we sort of are guessing that there was about 10,000 odd people that went to the event. We also were able to raise $10,500 um, for the Mayor's Christmas Appeal. That's fantastic was, isn't it? When the, does the planning for the Christmas parade start? I'm guessing it wasn't two weeks ago. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, good question, though, because uh, it is a lot of work. So we've got a group of people that come once a month to meet at with us and to help us guide um, the decisions that need to be made. And like we were saying, you know, the changes with COVID, um, the parade coming back and all those sorts of stuff. And we start meeting in July for those. And we meet every once a month and they're all um, very passionate people that um, want to see this be the success that it's been and the beautiful event that it has been. Um, then we're very fortunate to have another group that start in July as well and um, they come into the parade shed and create the magic, I call it. And um, so there's a core group of volunteers and um, they... You know, some years they'll create new floats, other years they'll update the floats that we've got. Um, what is exciting this year is that we've got, got some new floats that they've been refreshing and we purchased them from the Adelaide Parade a couple of years ago. Right. And um, so we're really excited to bring those um, down the street this year. So there's three new pieces um, to the parade which will have that little bit of wonder again. The funding, obviously a lot of work goes into this, but the other thing is there needs to, the funds there to be able to make it possible. Where does the funding come from? Yeah, so there's a combination of um, areas that the funding comes from. So NF McDonald's and Sons have been the major sponsor since 2017, and um, which is magnificent. And they donate quite a lot of money, and that's the naming um, right sponsor. But, you know, they're really excited about what it, you know, it's part of their values. It's part of their, fa it's, a, it's been traditionally a family business, and it was just such a great relationship for them to um, come on board as a major sponsor um, for the parade. Then also over many, many years we've had a really great relationship with Win TV and Win TV support us um, with advertisement um, and in the old days it was with Win and now it's with Channel 9 and um, you know it's again many many dollars that they help 
Uh, and then lastly is obviously council. So council put in some money um, and it's um, whether it's dollars to help the event or whether it's in kind, which is um, staffing and all those sorts of things as well because there's a lot of staff and um, like you said, it's uh, not an overnight job. Mm-hmm. It takes many weeks to prepare. And um, each year, um, whenever we ask anybody for some help with the parade, um, whether it's being toilets being dropped off, whether it's um, costumes that need to be cleaned, those businesses always say yes. And in particular, Park Dry Cleaners have been doing a cleaning of costumes for many, many years. Um, and that's just something that these people do with no, you know, there's no recognition, um, just like a lot of the volunteers. This year, we've asked Carlin and Gazard to store our magnificent new floats. And, you know, there's never questions. These people want to help this to bring it to the community and um, so it's that lovely feel good for the whole of the community and we really appreciate all the help that we get. Hey Rowan, tell me about your Christmas parade memories. Um, I have been in it uh, as on the, I think it was like a Wonderland castle float or something and it was raining so it was very wet, it was very cold and I cried because I didn't like my shoes or my costume. Um, I did wave the whole time though. I remember a year uh, I wasn't in the parade but it was so stinking hot the road was actually melting and my thong was actually stuck to the to the road. <laughs> In 2019, historian Lynn Lowe was approached by the City of Mount Gambier to compile the history of the parade to mark the event's 60th anniversary. Lynn, can you take us back to that very first parade? 1958, the young men of Mount Gambier got together and decided to form a club. It was the Junior Chamber of Commerce. The purpose of the group, which met fortnightly at the Mount Gambier Hotel, was for training in business management meeting procedures, public speaking, debating and civic and community affairs. They decided after several meetings to do something for the community and Christmas pageant was the outcome as most residents couldn't access the Adelaide event. It hasn't always run in the direction that we know it to run now. Tell us about that. The first parade in 1959 started in Vansittart Park and ran from... Commercial Street West to Commercial Street East. They tur- went to Crouch Street, turned right and then finished up in Sturt Street where they disbanded. Um, and then 1965 they reversed it and it started out um, about the Federal Hotel mm-hmm. and went right straight through to Vansittart Park. It really drew the community together, the businesses together, the school groups service groups, all that, the council at the time, even though they didn't run it until 2002, I think they took over the running of it. But it it drew the community together and it drew people from Western Districts uh, right through to up to Keith and Bordertown, although we did clash with Bordertown several times and there was conjecture about who should change the dates of their parade. Did we win? Uh, I think so, yes. Oh, yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 1974 saw the first telecast from SES Channel 8 at the time. Um, They televised the event and that went through until 2012, a total of 38 years. 
I was lucky enough to actually work with Chalet, Win TV, for a couple of years on their telecast. And having been a small child who didn't, I, most of my growing up wasn't in Mount Gambier, so I was watching the parade on television and then actually being able to host the telecast was amazing. If you ever see the footage, and I want to say it's about 2011 or 2012, if you ever get to see that footage, you'll hear my voice commentating the parade. At the same time, you'll actually see me sitting in front of the town hall with my husband, <laughs> waving and watching it, <laughs> because by that stage... They would film the parade and then afterwards we would go back to the Channel 8 studios and then we would commentate over the top of it. Uh, my first years of doing it, you would record it live and, and we and whoever my co-host was, we would sit on the balcony of the Gambia Hotel. Um, but then they changed it and, uh, yeah, so anyone with an eagle eye that happens to see that, uh, you might get a giggle out of me being in very well in two places at once. <laughs> we'll call it the magic of television. <laughs> What about your own memories of the parade, Lynn? Uh, I've only ever been in it once. Um, I was in primary school, North Primary School, and it was a really hot day. My mum dressed me up as a clown with a white crepe paper ruffle around the neck and <laughs> face paint, like it was sort of an oily face paint. Yep. And by the time we walked right down through Commercial Street, it had all melted and all <laughs> run everywhere. <laughs> And then I've helped with my children. They've all been in it in some yes. form or other. Susan, tell me about your memories of the Christmas parade. Well, I remember we used to get SES8, which was the most glamorous channel, we thought. And I remember watching the Christmas parade. They'd rerun it the next, oh, that afternoon or evening and watching all those lovely um, floats go past. It was exciting. Cassidy didn't have anything like that at all. It's just really good fun. Sally, tell me about your memories from the Mount Gambier Christmas Parade. Um, well, there's one year and I had these big long cardboard tubes on my arms and they had gloves on the end and my mum had to make my jumper sleeves really long and we just waved them in the air. I don't know what it was about. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know, maybe year two. Around then, big kids had to make it for me. And another year we signed Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I don't actually remember the parade. I just remember that that's what we did. <laughs> and I was a bumblebee for girl guides. Do you take your kids now that you have children to the parade? Yes, and we meet outside my cousin's shop with my family and, yeah, watch the pageant. Is that you have the same spot every year? Usually, yeah. And how early do you have to get there to get that spot? Oh, at least half an hour. <laughs> Irene, you're from Holland, and so you didn't grow up with the Mount Gambier Christmas Parade like most of us did. Tell me about your first experiences with seeing our version of Christmas here in Australia. Well, I grew up here with the idea that Christmas very spectacular and the Christmas Parade too. So when I came here, I, I really liked it, but I was pleasantly, <laughs> I was surprised that Santa was sitting in a green plastic chair in the cave gardens. And it was really hot, I remember that too. Well, in Holland we don't really have Santa. Uh, we celebrate the 5th of December with someone else coming, Sinterklaas, we call him. So with, uh, with Christmas we more focus on really the Christmas, the religious tradition. 
And is there something of an Australian Christmas that has become your favourite since living here? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We absolutely enjoy every Christmas is the lamb on the barbecue in the garden with the kids and we absolutely love it. a Christmas parade without a brass band or two and it wouldn't be the Mount Gambier Christmas parade without Mount Gambier's own brass band man Alan Woodham. Alan has been at the helm of the brass band component of the parade for over 20 years. He's the former executive officer of the National Band Council of Australia and was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia in the Queen's Birthday Honours lists in 2012 for his service to music through band organisations and to the local community. Alan, take us back to where it all began. My uh, brass band involvement uh, off and on would extend back 70 years. I, I was a, little, a small child. I was about seven or eight years old and uh, my grandmother was uh, involved in the Salvation Army in South Perth. So one particular Sunday morning I went along with her and, and this big burly fellow walked up to me and, of course, I'm only a little, little boy, you know, and he handed me an instrument, uh, um, a cornet, and said, here, Sonny, take this home and learn it. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I never ever did manage to master the cornet. I moved on to a bigger <laughs> instrument and mostly played uh, baritone or euphonium. And uh, that was where it all began. Can you give us an overview of what the festival is? Well, the festival, it provides, um, it provides an atmosphere, if you like, in the band. I mean, when, when the brass bands march up the street, you can see the reactions. I've been involved for so long, and in the earlier days I was part of the city band and I'd march with the band. And you watch the crowd as you're marching along, still trying to concentrate on your music, of course. <laughs> and, and you watch the people on the side, you know, on the, on the footpath and on the edge of the road, and you see the faces and the, and the children, they just light up as the band goes past, you know, and the brass bands always get a huge reception. And it just creates this carnival atmosphere and adds to the band. And, and people tell me the brass bands make the parade. They, 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 they are an essential part of it. Music is such an important part of our lives and when a brass band plays a march and it marches up the street, that march is, is usually played at about 118 beats a minute and it's, the rhythm fits in with the heartbeat rhythm. It just produces this, this feeling of uh, exhilaration in the yeah. public. You and know? you can't help and, but and bop along, right. tap your toes. That's right. And, yeah. and it, it's an essential part of the human spirit, you know. Yeah, so we have the bands marching during the parade, but before and after the parade, there's also some key uh, events too, isn't there? They do their street march in the mornings. They form up there in their in their uh, rows, and uh, and then an adjudicator will walk around the band and he looks at their uniforms and their shoes and all that sort of thing, and they get points for deportment, how they're handling, how they're holding their instruments. They all have to be the same. Um, with the basses bells pointing forward and the, the cornets and small instrument bells pointing downwards and they've all got to be held straight and all the rest of it. And, uh, and then um, they're called to attention and then the drum major, that's the guy with the stick or the woman mm. with the stick out the front, with the staff, 
uh, they call the band to attention and the stick goes up in the air and then they, they say, by the centre, quick march, and then everyone steps off together, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> and they, as they march up the street, the adjudicator is watching to see if everyone's in step and, and then you have... Uh, I usually assist by walking out onto the road. I wonder people probably wonder why I do that. Yeah. Walk out on the road and watch the, watch the band march up and see how straight the lines are. Mm-hmm. Anyone out out of uh, configuration, you lose a point. Yep. You know. And by the time they get down the other end, it's Brown's cows. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> and then when the street march is over, just before, usually about thirty minutes before the parade starts. We form all the bands together as one big mass group and ever since I've been doing it, we've always played the same piece of music, which is a piece uh, Walsing Matilda by an old Australian composer, Robert McCannley, and they march down the street and they play this big Walsing Matilda suite and now the public all stand on the side and sing it oh, when, when the band goes past. So <laughs> I don't dare change the music in, at this stage, even though I get told, can't we play something else? I say, no, nope. this is tradition, <laughs> you know. difficult it is to actually march with a very heavy instrument in your arms. It, it is. When you get older, like to our age, and you know, uh, it's, it takes a lot of effort because one of those big bases is, is a big weight. People don't realise the, the Christmas parade is three kilometres. It's a long way carrying a big instrument. It requires a bit of stamina. I mean, my reward is seeing the bands march up the street and play in the theatre and, and, and when I get moments when I think, why am I doing this, when the day arrives, yeah, yeah the joy involved and, and the pleasure that gives people and also the outlet the bands have, yeah. to, they don't get a lot of opportunity to play like they do here. It does have its rewards, you know. So Mount Cambia can be proud of its group. That's the way I see yeah. it. The Mount Gambier Christmas Parade is held annually on the third Saturday in November starting at 11am and runs through the CBD along Commercial Street here in Mount Gambier. And as a side note, unofficially it's also the day for locals that you're allowed to put your Christmas tree up. If you have any memories or traditions of your own that you'd like to share, jump onto our social media. We would love to hear from you. As always, thank you for listening to Don't Overdo It, a podcast from the City of Mount Gambier Library.